Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalists John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 46. And we have to say thank you. Who would have thought 46 episodes? Because you folks keep coming back and listening to us. How cool is that? Yeah, we love that. I know. Isn't it cool? So today we're going to kind of concentrate. It's that time of the year, Brian, as it always is. The Great Backyard Bird Count is coming up. And then we thought we'd share a little (laughs) bit about, you know, there's so many, once you've kind of birded your backyard, there's so many opportunities to go out in your community and check birding locations and see different birds there. And then when you travel too. So we're going to talk about how do you make all that happen? How do you figure it out? Yes, lots of fun with that. Plus, um, how will doing the Great Backyard Bird Count help you be healthier and maybe live longer? There might be some scientific evidence we'll touch on for you. Do you promise? (laughs) Okay, I promise. (laughs) So stick around for the fun, everyone. What exciting things are happening with the birds in your yard? I'm having a great time watching all this bird activity. I've been putting out different kinds of foods in different locations. Uh, One of my favorites has been this little window feeder. And I'm putting this wonderful blend. uh, It's a great uh, winter blend Mm -hmm. um, in this feeder. And uh, (laughs) I think my wife's having more fun with it than I am because we're getting bluebirds coming up. Yeah, and, and they're starting to get used to us because it's at our kitchen and they'll fly up and they'll look at us. And if we move it all, boom, they're gone. But now they're starting to be like, yeah, you're safe, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so we got the bluebirds coming in on that and the titmice and the chickadees and the nuthatches are coming in and, at different times. My favorite part, though, was uh, our youngest was home from college. And we're sitting there just yesterday watching this bluebird. My wife's trying to get a picture of it. And the bluebird turns and is basically mooning the camera. (laughs) (laughs) The tail's up in the air and the backside's up against the window. And it was just hilarious. And she just, she couldn't get the camera out in time to get this this bluebird mooning her while eating from the feeder. So we're having a great time with that kind of stuff right now. (laughs) <laughs> the bluebird mooning story. I love That's it. That's right. I love it. <laughs> no, I but like, I can oh, I can it. totally relate because and and our producer Evan has seen this and we've talked about it a couple of times. I have this prototype of what is now our treehouse window feeder. They've gotten very used to us. I mean, literally, you're sitting on the couch and you're no more than two and a half, three feet tops from that window. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what of you? Yeah, they just what look at you. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So when that gets to that point, how cool is that? That is so cool. Mm. Uh, the other cool thing, you always get brown keep creepers. You've had brown creepers oh, come yes. into your bark yes, butter yes, yes. for years and years. I get them sporadically. Mm-hmm. And I changed up. Them? I changed up my game, and I I basically put a little uh, thing on my tree for uh, as a bark butter feeder. Mm-hmm. And I've been very religious about making sure I'm keeping bark butter, hot pepper bark butter on it, so that the raccoons and things don't mess with it. And I've got them coming, two of them on a regular basis that's now. Awesome! How, I, I love know, it. I love it. They're so cool. <laughs> so that that's uh, that's this week's highlight for me is, is seeing regular visits by the brown creepers to my bark butter on my tree that's been cool and who knew 
two guys been feeding birds for decades can still get this excited about having truth? a bird show up. I, I talk about that all the time. It's just, you know, you would think after, what, 40 years of doing this, I would be kind of like over it. I still geek out. I know. It's yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a sickness, I think. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, here we go again. It's that time of the year. It's Great Backyard Bird Count, one of our favorite, favorite citizen science programs that's out there. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, headed up by Cornell University and our partners there at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. So we just want to tease a little bit today and kind of give people a heads up that it's on the way and coming up in in a few weeks and maybe start thinking about some things that they can uh, get to maybe to help prepare them to get ready to participate. Yeah. Yeah, because we get questions all the time about that. And where do I even look? And and how do I even count? How do I identify birds? What if I don't know all of them? (laughs) We'll cover all of that. No worries. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the Great Backyard Bird Count, I mean, it's steeped in kind of the partnership between Cornell and Wild Birds Unlimited. Um, Oh, for sure. We go, I've kind of lost track. How many years does this go back? Uh, This is 25 years now. 25 years. And yep. we were the original and still are the major sponsor of the Great Backyard Bird Count. Uh, so how cool is that, that we've been partnering with Cornell for 25 years on this project, oh, the yeah. Citizen Science Project. And and man, the data that's come out of this project has been pretty awesome, too. I know last year's numbers were through the roof. Yeah. Crazy numbers, lots of information, lots of data. One of the really cool things about the Great Backyard Bird Count is you can go back and look year to year to year yeah. to see all the really neat things that have come out from a four-day time frame that happens in February every year. And this, it, it's neat, too, to look at um, not just how many people have participated, how many bird species <laughs> have been seen, but even how many individual birds have been counted. And to know, man, my my one bird I entered last year or my 100 birds I entered last year yeah, all yeah. go into that count. It's also cool. You can go back and you can look to see what kind of uh, anomaly birds or rare birds or uncommon birds showed up that it yeah. probably shouldn't have technically been in that area when yeah, when you were counting. And, you, and that's really cool. That's the payoff. That's the cool stuff that you get to see. Basically, people can participate mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. And that kind of was a change that it used to be just pretty much North America. And then they expanded it out. Right. And, it started in North America. Yeah. In people's backyards, in your yeah. yard, feeding the birds a four-day period every February. And then it became a global scenario. And the whole point was to to be able to count the birds for a very specific few days before they had their migration and moving off to go to where they were going to start to go raise families, that those breeding grounds, if yeah, you will. Yeah. But you know what's interesting about that? It's exactly why it was timed to be in early February. Interesting thing from last year's records they found that a lot of things, because of the much um, more mild winter that we had, mm-hmm. a lot of things had moved up to a month early. A lot of things had moved. <laughs> that's... And, and that's what this beauty of this count being year after year after year, mm-hmm. it really highlighted the fact that many of these birds had moved north up to a month earlier than they normally would. And, and, and they would not have probably been able to quantify that without the value of the mm-hmm. GBBC data that, that came in. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. it's I love seeing 
all this data and how you can start to look at it. And this is exactly what scientists do. They take all of this data and they can start studying it to find out what are birds doing. And then that helps them make conservation decisions. And it helps to then form and, and shape policies uh, around whether it's state or even government kinds of policies to, to help conserve and protect birds and, and areas. So all of that to say anyone that participates, yeah, we always talk about being a citizen scientist. And you don't have to have any special degrees or any special education. Or, Do I have to have a white lab coat? No, but it is optional. <laughs> and my safety goggles. I want those spatial, I want to create safety goggles that have binoculars attached to it. And <laughs> I can watch the birds and keep, keep my eyes safe. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> but everyone talks about, you hear all the time, be a citizen scientist, you know, help citizen science. You know, it's just watching the birds and entering the data. Uh, so GBBC makes it really simple on how to do it. They, they talk about three-step process. Step one is decide where are you going to watch birds? Once you decide where you're going to watch the birds, step two is watch them. <laughs> Ta-da. Uh, <laughs> I love this. You know, uh, our listeners little, come to us to learn all I kinds know. of nice new things. And, that's uh... <laughs> right. That's right. They're, you know, you can get a little more technical. They want you to watch for at least 15 minutes, there 15, you go. 15 or more minutes and do it at least one time. It's February 18, 19, 20 and 21. So that is Friday through Monday. So just 15 minutes, one of those days, watch the birds and then enter that data. And you have actually a few different ways you can enter it. Uh, the Merlin Bird ID app. John, I think we've talked about that uh, yeah. app on, in the past one, two, once 15, or, once 20 or twice. times. Yeah, yeah, once, once or twice. <laughs> but the Merlin Bird ID app will is an amazing resource to help you out. Mm -hmm. um, all the it help you from so many different ways, um, walk you through how to identify that bird you see. Um, or if you can get a photo, help you ID the bird from mm -hmm. a photo. Or one of the newest parts of the Merlin app is by sound. sound. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Very you cool. can also enter by eBird. And eBird is free online database. You would sign up for an account and then you can enter your data via the app or yeah. just online, you know, a computer or tablet. So to help you get ready and prepared, basically, if you just do a simple Google search for GBBC or go to our show notes, when you get to the Great Backyard Bird Count website uh they've got some really nice tools they've got a uh, there's a webinar about how to participate in the gbbc that's coming up on february 16th i think it's in two o'clock in the afternoon that you could register yes. for yes they have basically training seminars if you will online that you can just tap into for uh, using ebird and for using merlin and get those skills honed up and ready to go for the great backyard bird count Confuse people. We say great backyard bird count, but this is not just restricted to your backyard. This is you right. can go anywhere to do that. And one of the things you and I were talking about is, you know, a lot of people have never truly ventured out of their own backyard bird watching, and yet they may kind of get a niche to do that. And, you know, it mm -hmm. might it might be something they've always wanted to try, but just weren't quite sure. So, I think you and I talked about one of the things we'd like to cover today would be a little bit about how people can branch out and leave their yes. backyard. And if they want to go to a local park, if they want to go to a local nature preserve, they can count 
and submit their observation for the Great Backyard Bird Count from those locations too. Mm-hmm. But how do they? What's the best way to find some of those local places that are really good to go birding? Oh yeah, and I actually I had this question from somebody recently who has really been enjoying watching birds in their backyard. They've been feeding them. They're like, I, I want to go out asking that very yeah. question, John. Yeah. And it can be as simple as just, you know, maybe you connect with your local Wild Birds Unlimited store. Or if you don't have one, or if you know you have any birding clubs or Audubon groups that you can find them and they almost always have a whole list of places you can go bird watching. And that may still seem a little strange and weird if you've never done that before because they'd say you know oh go to this park and bird watch well how do you do that yeah um, it's really just as simple as go to that local park area and if you can grab some binoculars and just go and enjoy trying to find some birds look and listen while you're there obviously parking lots when <laughs> you drive up most likely and you park in the parking lot, a uh, little tip about um, birdwalk leaders, anyone who's ever leading a birdwalk, uh, the parking lot actually sometimes becomes the focal point where you get tons of birds showing up before and after the birdwalk. Uh, so you probably don't <laughs> even need to venture far from the parking lot to find birds. We've had a few of those, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we have. We've we've made plans where we've we've yeah. brought people to yeah. local parks and and we're going to lead a bird walk and you know it takes an hour yeah. to get out of the parking lot yeah. because there's so many yeah. birds around. Yeah, yeah. And and the cool part is, it doesn't matter how many birds show up. If you see or hear one bird, watch it, enjoy it, and and you can watch it as long as you want to. Yeah, yeah. Those are all good advice in regards to helping to find. I would also add on that you know depending on your state. The, you know, you mentioned birding clubs. I know they're mm-hmm. like here in Indiana, we have local Audubon societies. We have an Indiana Audubon society. And through a cooperative effort, we now have an Indiana birding trail. And it's a yes. brochure that you can find online. I forget how many they're up to. I want to say. There are many. And there yeah. are many states like that that yeah. have birding trails. And those are, those are some of the best places. Those have been chosen in many cases by birders themselves through polling and voting. Uh, to be the places where they want to go birding and see a nice variety of birds. So that's another mm-hmm. way to pull it up. So you mentioned, you know, going there. And, and one of the things, again, that, that may keep, uh, there is a, maybe a little hesitancy on some people's part because they're unsure. You know, they've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they don't want to look like a nerd sitting out in the parking lot with binoculars, you know. And, they and may, what, what's a birding trail mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of other birders because sure. they don't know anything yet. And I tell you, something very important for many people is they want to feel safe, you know, if they're not yes. typically used to walking around on nature trails and in nature preserves and, and that type of thing. They want to know what to do to, you know, feel comfortable, uh, both mm-hmm. in the birding itself, but also in regards to feeling safe and comfortable there too. Yes, definitely. We've been birding for so long, John, that it's just so natural for us to pull up to an area, get out, throw some binoculars on and mm-hmm. just start walking mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. Um, and look at, okay, where are the trails right here? I'm going to start going those ways and make my plan and come back. So I think starting off going to an area, um, it's always good if you go with a buddy, have have a friend join you. Um, you got a couple people, 
you're walking together, you're enjoying nature. I mean, what better way to enjoy a friendship than having a friend with you out in nature and just experiencing what what you run across? But also take some binoculars, you know, put that strap around the neck or, you know, there's harness style um, binocular holders. We like those those kinds of things. But uh, but have a bird book with you. Or, you know, you got digital books. That's what you and I always work with now. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing just crossed my mind, too. You're talking about parking lots. You don't always have to walk in a park. You don't have to always walk on a trail. You know, if you sign up for eBird and get on the eBird, you will have the ability to sign up for eBird alerts where you get an email to your inbox that basically tells you where some really cool birds have been seen, you know, rare birds or unusual birds have been seen. And I get, I get mine in a digest form. So I get a whole list of all the birds that were seen the previous day. Mm-hmm. And Saturday here was gorgeous. It was cold, but it was a beautiful, you know, just beautiful blue sky, oh, yeah. sunny, bright, you know, winter afternoon. And I had noticed that there were some good birds at a, at a lake, a little pond. And then, believe it or not, an industrial park up about 45 minutes northwest of Indianapolis mm-hmm. in a place called Lebanon, Indiana. It's the only open water around. And so there are literally probably 12, 1,400 Canada geese. But there's also things mixed in with those geese, that white-fronted mm-hmm. geese, snow geese. There are pintail ducks. There are golden-eyed ducks. There were a whole... Oh, My wife man. and I went up literally and parked in a parking lot of a, a commercial operation <laughs> and stayed there for two and a half hours scoping all these birds that were coming. Never, and going. never left the car, did never you? Never basically were more <laughs> than probably 20 yards away from the car. So, And that's birding. Yeah. So there's ways to do that that obviously very yeah. safe. I will have to be honest. We did have a little security guard for the... <laughs> <laughs> for the company did come out and kind of go, ah, what are you guys doing today? And then, but once we told them and showed them, they were fine with it and uh, had no problems whatsoever. So that was even a yeah. bonus because I had my own security guard there too while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I did happen to a similar situation one time. I went bird watching behind a shopping strip mall, and because uh, I knew that there is a river bend back there. And I knew this river bend would have some open water in the middle of winter time. So I went back there to see what I could find. You know, a lot of the waterfowl like you were talking about, I was really hoping to find those, but I have binoculars around my neck and I have a spotting scope. So, Mm -hmm, you know, just mm -hmm. the big scope with a tripod so I can see much farther and more clearly. And security pulls up, you know, you imagine sitting behind a strip mall. It's not conducive. It's not pretty. And there are no sidewalks. And I'm looking out over a river and he's like, what you doing? (laughs) He's checking me out. I obviously was not there for any nefarious situations because by the time he saw what I was wearing and binoculars and spotting scope, by the time I'm showing him eBird on my phone that I'm entering bird data, he's he's like already mentally checked out. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah. this guy's pretty geeked out about birds. He's yeah. obviously not doing anything nefarious here. So always interesting. So bottom line is there's lots of opportunities out there. There's a lot of safe places to go birding and, yes. and to see things. If you're ready to kind of make that jump out of your backyard and into some different habitats, different mm-hmm. locations, uh, GBBC, Great Backyard Bird Count, is an 
incredibly good time to do that. And and Brian, as you said, you might you know check out your local uh, birding organizations, your mm-hmm. local nature centers. They more than yes. likely will be having a hike. I know you're leading a hike on one of the days during the GBBC. So there are opportunities to go with other people, which is I think would be our number one recommendation if you're just now starting to oh, venture yes. out, out and away from your own home. You know, try to find some other folks to to join in. Uh, birders are traditionally a pretty nice lot and they love to show <laughs> right. off birds to new people and 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 bring them on board so uh, it's not only a, a wonderful nature experience it's a wonderful social experience when you go on those types of hikes just mentioned the you know wonderful nature aspect of birding we talked actually the potential for social benefit from birding mm-hmm. we talked about it at the opening and you and i have mentioned this before there's some health benefits that uh, research says that actually happens and it's good for you to do these types of citizen science That's activities right. there are a number of different research uh, scenarios that have found that being in nature really does help your be help you to be healthier, uh, help you to be happier, many different things. A most recent one, and I loved the title because it was about citizen science helps nurture health through nature, which that catches my attention because <laughs> great backyard bird count being a citizen scientist, right? And you can be healthier. What? Are you sure I you didn't this. write that headline yourself? Come on. Uh, well, I might have. <laughs> if, if only. Uh, no, it's, it's really cool. This article talks about how the University of South Australia, the researchers what? there. Yeah. South Australia. <laughs> we got to go. We, we have to validate this. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> But the researchers, not just are they finding these really cool kinds of correlations, but they're actually trying to urge governments to consider nature-based citizen science, now get this, as part of the public health policies. So they're trying to get the governments to say, hey, how can we get and encourage more people to go and interact with nature, get outside, uh, because it actually improves health and well-being of people, especially if you live in a more urban environment, how that affects us and just yeah. calms down and just relaxes. And Yeah. For the data freaks, they've actually measured things like, you know, uh, heartbeat and blood pressure and stress hormone levels mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So we're not just making this up. Right. It actually really does <laughs> exactly. work. So There's I, data I, behind yeah. it. So it very cool. And, and honestly, this is not the first time we, you know, I think that the unique part about this one, Brian, is the fact that they're actually trying to push governments to include this as yes. part of their health policy. You and I for years and years and years have heard this same data, same information, seen multiple research projects that have been done that yep. prove that being in nature truly, truly does help your health through all those different ways of relaxing you, reducing blood pressure, you know, less stress hormones in your body, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I don't think we need to pitch it much farther than that, but the bottom line is (laughs) if you do the GBBC, the Great Backyard Bird Count, you're going to live longer. (laughs) Take that to the bank, right? (laughs) But you know you're going to be helping, so you're going to have fun doing it. Participate in the Great Backyard Bird Count. Watch those birds. Enter that data. Yeah, we, we're hoping to have a, a guest coming up on our next podcast to help talk about the Great Backyard Bird Counts because that is what they do. Yeah. Work for Cornell Lab of Ornithology, all about the Great Backyard Bird Count. 
Yeah, looking forward to that. So, all right. Is it time to wrap this one up with a bow? I think so. Appreciate everyone checking in with us today and having a good time learning about the Great Backyard Bird Count. And how do you go find places to go start watching for birds and some resources to help you in identifying those birds that you're finding? Join us next time when we plan to talk with somebody from Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology about the Great Backyard Bird Count, the experts. And we're also going to take a look at kind of how you prepare your backyard feeders for the Great Backyard Count in regards to what foods do you put out and does it matter in regards to getting different birds to your backyard. So we're going to take a look at that. But as always, until then, Brian and I are going to let nature be our guide. So until our next visit, please take care and be safe. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered. <laughs>